morning, Texas. Welcome to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. I'm Wyatt Wright, and this show is about your rights and the laws that govern us. Rights you've heard of and care about and would certainly miss if they were gone. I've spent half a lifetime watching government go from trying to do what's right and failing to, well, trying to do what's wrong and succeeding. Every year, more and more of our personal rights are erased from the books while we stand idly by, and it's not because we don't care. Of course we care. But our lives are busy enough trying to feed our families, raise our kids. While we're busying ourselves with life, the metaphorical water temperature is rising all around us, kind of like that frog that gets boiled without ever knowing it. And on this show, we discuss legal issues that affect you and me, the people of Texas. We'll take a hard look at the laws that affect your freedom, your ability to access the courts, to vote, to speak freely, or in short, to live the American dream. Stick around. Today we'll be visiting with Janet Aberay, a Cincinnati attorney who has recently written an article on a legal doctrine that gives a free pass to makers of dangerous drugs. Ladies and gentlemen, let's dive right in and get wet. Hang on to your seats, Texas. The Texas Supreme Court has put another hole in our boat. People's rights are sinking fast. On June 7th, 2012, the big business Supreme Court, the one that we've spoken about many times on this show, threw out the case of a woman tragically injured by a dangerous drug. And in doing so, the Supreme Court ignored the trial court judge. They ignored the jury members. That's you and me. They ignored the court of appeals and instead handed a bailout to its buddies, big pharmaceutical companies, in order to give doctors more work. Yeah, give them more work. The Supreme Court relied on what is known as the learned intermediary doctrine. The learned intermediary doctrine. This doctrine very simply says that if a person with specialized knowledge, if there is such a person and they have the opportunity to stop you from using the drug, then that person, i.e. the doctor, is the one responsible if you're injured from using that dangerous drug. The court assumes that your doctor will give you the information you need about the drug's dangers, even though the doctor isn't the manufacturer of the drug, even if the doctor doesn't know the dangers of the drug, even if the doctor doesn't have the time or opportunity to discuss with you all of the side effects of a drug, even if the manufacturer uh, uh, markets direct to consumers on TV, it makes no difference, says the Texas Supreme Court. It's the doctor's responsibility. But the world has changed. The world has changed, ladies and gentlemen. Now it is common for drug companies to put ads on TV that show a person dancing in a field after taking a drug, and, and, and the, the, the ad, ladies and gentlemen, it ends with the announcer saying, ask your doctor if this drug is right for you. So in essence, the drug companies are starting to take doctors out of the loop. Now it's patients themselves who go to doctors saying, I want drug X. I saw it on TV. The patient is adamant because the ad said it was great. After all, there are people dancing in the field. How can a drug be bad when there's people dancing in a field? 
Who wouldn't want that? The doctor's information, ladies and gentlemen, is limited to the same information the patient got and gives no further warning to the patient. The patient dies. The Texas Supreme Court says, go sue your doctor. Well, that's ridiculous. And furthermore, doctors in Texas already enjoy a damage cap and laws that basically give them very strong immunity. Also, the patient loses again in the end. But I'm going to ask you if you're surprised because we are talking about the Texas Supreme Court. And as long as they're in power, don't be. A reminder, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. This is a program where we point out and discuss the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a look at the learned intermediary doctrine, and we're going to examine whether this legal doctrine is still needed or if instead it's ready for the landfill. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today uh, on the show is Janet Aberray. Cincinnati attorney who since 1987 has been representing patients injured by many different over-the-counter and prescription medications, too. She's been named as one of Cincinnati's best lawyers, an Ohio super lawyer, and has met the standard of excellence for selection as one of the National Trial Lawyers' top 100 lawyers. Ms. Aberray is also the co-author of an article entitled, Modern Realities Render the Learned Intermediary Doctrine Obsolete, which was published in the American Bar Association's Journal on Product Liability. I'm certain that her clients are missing her right now, but we're fortunate to have her with us today instead. Uh, Janet Aberrate, thank you for joining us today on The White Right Show. Thank you, White. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, uh, you know, in, in your article, you point out that the idea of this doctor-knows-best sort of mentality or approach to giving warnings to patients, and I call them patients, I mean, I guess they're consumers, but but in the doctor's eyes, they're patients. You point out that this doctor-knows-best thing is, is nostalgic, but it's, but it's perhaps inaccurate. Why is that? Well, the doctrine originated uh, as long ago as 1925, uh, back in the days when doctors made house calls, we didn't have all these prescription drugs available. There certainly wasn't pre- prescription drug advertising mm-hmm. like you see today. Um, then in the 1940s, uh, the doctrine really took root, and some courts began to say that a pharmaceutical company only needs to give a warning to the doctor and that the doctor will then make the decision for the patient. Okay, That's not today's medicine. That's not how medicine is practiced. Uh, patients are considered to be a partner in their own health care mm-hmm. and to be part of the decision-making process. And that's why we believe the doctrine is simply outdated and doesn't apply to the modern practice of medicine or the modern uh, prescription uh, climate in this country. Well, and that, and that makes sense uh, uh, to me, too. And I, I'm thinking uh, in terms of the way that information is available today, I mean, th- does that have something to do with it? We've got this thing called the Internet, which if you would have described this to me 20 years ago, I'd have laughed at you. Uh, does that have a, have a role to play in this? People can go out and research uh, possible treatments for themselves. It definitely has a role because it means that people do do the research, they want the information, and they're no longer relying directly on their doctors. In fact, doctors often don't even have time to sit down and go over all this information mm-hmm. with a patient, um, and patients do their own homework, and they make their own decisions. Uh, and, and that's another important part of the doctrine, too. It presumes that the doctor will make this decision, decide which prescription, and then the patient will do whatever the doctor 
doctor says. Right. And that's really not modern health care. You know, you go in now, you're often given choices. Um, you have a right to say, no, I think I don't want to go down that path. And, and that wasn't the way medicine was practiced 50 years ago. Right. And, and people are more uh, knowledgeable today, certainly about things that, that go on with them, I suppose, than they were when they visited their doctor. And the doctor basically said, well, you've got an ailment. Uh, take this drug. And now they, they know what the problem is. Yes, yeah. and you also have so many more drugs now. Well, that's a good point. Now, do doctors, I mean, they're humans, and and if I'm faced with all of this data and all of these studies, uh, I have to wonder that if I was a doctor, would I really read all of these studies and all of this these warnings in the way that I might read them if I was myself planning on taking this one particular drug? Can they possibly digest all this? Well, that's a really good point because what we find is the labels have so much information that um, the doctors begin to rely instead upon the, they call them detail uh, people, the sales people for the drug companies. They drop off literature. They drop off information. Um, the doctors don't have time usually to read the entire mm-hmm. contents of a label. Uh, so they rely upon the drug companies that put on seminars, and, and give them uh, much more concise information. So that that is one issue. Another issue is the way the FDA is approving drugs right now. Okay. They'll approve it with a certain label, and then if a problem pops up, they tweak the label. So they'll add in a new paragraph here or there. Well, doctors become familiar with a drug, they don't keep going back and looking at the label all the time. So this idea that updating the label Uh is somehow getting information to the doctors and that the information is then being passed on to the patients is just really not realistic. Sure. And and I'm thinking to myself, the last time I went to a doctor and got some allergy medicine, the, the doctor, and, and who I think is a marvelous doctor, but he didn't give me a pamphlet that, that thoroughly detailed uh, everything that, that was going on or known about this particular drug. And when I went to the pharmacy, I certainly didn't get much more than the here's how you take it and that sort of thing. And I, I wasn't involved in that decision. So I'm wondering if what you're telling me is that, that the ease with which a doctor can rely on the information provided by the drug company doesn't affect the decision that the doctor makes about which drugs to prescribe. Yeah, the doctors are in a lot of ways in a very difficult spot because the drug companies um, can give these incremental changes to the label. Mm -hmm. They would almost have to catch that a new label has come out. And with all the drugs that they use, that's going to be difficult to do. Another issue um, that we're kind of jumping over is we're always saying the doctors. But in fact, a lot of drugs are prescribed by nurse practitioners. I see. And then when you're saying that this learned intermediary is going to make the decision on behalf of the patient rather than having the patient make their own decision, in a lot of situations, the learned person is now of a, of a lesser degree of education. They're going to have this nurse practitioner degree. I've actually taken depositions where I've shown a label with a particular warning to a nurse practitioner and asked her a question in regard to the pharmacokinetic information, which was very critical to the safety issue in the case. And she looked at me and said, I'm sorry, I really have no idea what that means. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, oh and that's, that's probably not... Um, atypical. I see. So, so we really have uh, 
the two sides here that really aren't talking to one another, and I, and I mean that in a very loose sense. The, the, the practice of medicine on the one hand, which doesn't necessarily spend time to understand the legal ramifications of, gee whiz, who in my office needs to know this information and pass it on to, to the patients? How do, and we talked about how the, the drug companies play into this, but how do health insurance companies uh, play a role or influence in what drugs are prescribed? I mean, does that also weigh on the doctor's mind? Oh, yes, because the drug company can refuse to permit certain drugs to be given in certain situations. Okay. Um, they have formularies. If a drug is on the A versus the B versus the C formulary, a particular insurance company may not pay for that drug, mm-hmm. or they may require you to go down on the formulary to a cheaper drug, switch you to a generic. So frequently, even if the doctor is completely informed, exercising their best decision, trying to get you on the safest drug, your insurance company may prohibit you from getting that drug. And that's just another way that this learned intermediary doctrine, presuming that the doctor is standing in your shoes and has sole discretion to Uh protect you, it's it just is a construct that's not realistic. Not realistic. And and it seems also that the health insurance companies, while they're also – perhaps driving the ship on the formulary side, as you pointed out, and which drugs will be approved and which ones will not. It seems that they also, I mean, I, I've heard my doctor say, gee whiz, the reason I've got to squeeze so many more patients into the day is because the, the insurance companies are, are reducing the amounts I can get paid for, for various procedures and things. If, if, if my doctor is used to seeing 10 patients a day and now they're squeezing 20 patients in to, uh, to be able to, you know, make the same dime. Uh, do they really have time to sit down with, with me or anybody else to talk about drug implications? Exactly. And, and just to give you an example of how, what a big problem this is. There are some very important drugs for cholesterol, for instance, that do great things for people, but they also have some very well-known and serious side effects. And you will be amazed at the number of people suffering from these side effects, Mm. unaware that it's being caused by their own medication. And it's something that if they become aware, you ask the doctor, oh, yeah, sure, that's a problem, then we got to switch you. But they should be telling you what to look for so that you're not stuck in this position of suffering along with side effects that weren't explained to you and that you're really not looking out for. Well, that's a horrible situation, and I can see how how somebody would would not know that they're related and so wouldn't speak up, especially uh, aging populations who – uh, frankly, uh, may be used to, to getting a new pain here or there as, as months and years go by and may not attribute it to that drug. Precisely. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. On this program, we point out and discuss the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. In just a few moments, we're going to be going into the mailbag, so stick around for that. Uh, on, on the phone with us today is Janet Aberay, a Cincinnati attorney who has specialized knowledge in what is known as the Learned Intermediary Doctrine, and we're visiting with her about that today. Uh, Janet, let me ask you, has... The This direct-to-consumer advertising, and I'm talking about, maybe you know better, but I'm talking about the one I'm sitting at home on my couch, I'm flipping through the channels, and I see, the, and I know I, I jested a little bit at the beginning of the show, but there's people running through fields, and they're flying kites, and they're doing all these wonderful things, and then, of course, while the people are smiling, uh, in the background, there's a voice that says uh, you know, side effects may include death and stroke and all these other things. I'm focused on the kite flying. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, how how has this direct to, to consumer advertising influenced the drugs that are that are ultimately prescribed? I mean, is it influencing it? Oh, it's a complete game changer. Uh, the New England Journal of Medicine did an article in 2007 where they found that over $4 billion a year is being spent on direct-to-consumer advertising for prescription drugs. Mm. And, and to put it in perspective, until the law was changed, which um, I can't remember the exact day, it's probably in the 80s, you weren't allowed to have any advertisements on television right. for prescription drugs. It's hard to remember back that far. Right. But <laughs> that's how life used to be. So with this direct advertising has come several things. Number one, you're suggesting to people uh, medical conditions that you didn't even know existed before. I'm thinking of something like restless leg syndrome. Mm-hmm. You're, you're suggesting a treatment for it. You're telling them to go to the doctor and ask for this drug. Um, so, yes, it becomes very important. If you have the ability to spend $4 billion directly trying to get people to use a product, why shouldn't you have an equal obligation to explain to those people the side effects? Yeah, that's something. And we're going we're gonna to go, go right back into that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to jump into our mailbag and see what you have to say to me. Oh, every week we open the mailbag and see what's going on. As always, if you have something to say to me, shoot it to me at speakup at wyattwrightshow.com. Today we have an email from Ron in New Braunfels, Texas, who writes, I saw that the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the Stolen Valor Act, which made it illegal to claim to have military honors that weren't yours. What was their reasoning? Seems like a good law. Ron, good point. Uh, you know, the short answer is that the Supreme Court is not supposed to get involved with whether or not a law is good or bad, only whether it's constitutional. And in this case, the Supreme said that Congress, frankly, didn't have the authority to prevent someone from wrongly claiming to have war medals. The opinion said this infringes on a person's free speech rights. But let's be clear. There are times when speech has been constitutionally limited, which is why you can't falsely scream fire in a crowded theater. I guess the Supremes felt that falsely portraying a fallen war hero, I guess it just wasn't disturbing enough to censor. Are they right? I don't know. You be the judge. Today, ladies and gentlemen, on the White Right Show, we're visiting with Janet Aberay, a Cincinnati attorney who has recently written an article on a legal doctrine that, well, it gives a free pass. I don't know how else to say it to makers of dangerous drugs. Uh, again, thanking her for being on the show. And I want to go back to what we were just talking about, uh, Janet, uh, with the direct-to-consumer advertising. The, the drug companies are the ones, I, I think, that have professed the legitimacy of this learned intermediary system. I mean, they're the ones who are saying, hey, this is a good thing because naturally they want to have some distance between them and any liability. My question is, how sincere can this really be when it's those same drug companies that you just told us were spending billions of dollars on direct-to-consumer advertising? Well, that's the issue, and that's why the New Jersey Supreme Court held that if you're doing direct-to-consumer advertising, you can no longer rely on the learned intermediary defense. Okay. And the West Virginia Supreme Court has also determined that 
in this day and age, the learned intermediary doctrine just doesn't work, Mm -hmm. and they've refused to recognize it. But those are two um, minority loan courts out there um, compared to the vast majority that have still stuck with this doctrine, despite the fact that it really no longer fits with how medicine is practiced today and how prescription drugs are marketed. Right. And and just to remind folks who might be just tuning in, we're talking about the learned intermediary doctrine, which is a legal concept that says so long as a drug manufacturer passes warnings along to a doctor, then they are in the clear uh, for those warnings reaching the patient. And that even if they market to folks directly on TV, they're not responsible for any of the side effects or warnings that didn't ultimately reach the consumer. Now, uh, Janet, recently here in Texas, uh, our Supreme Court, in its infinite wisdom, threw out a case where a patient watched a video in the doctor's office about the drug. And this video lacked certain warnings, or was was the argument. Now, the court shifted all the blame onto the doctor and said, basically, it was his duty to give the patient warnings. My question, does this make sense if the doctor is the one who's deferring to a video that's made by the drug company itself? Well, and also, it is the drug company's drug, not the doctor's drug. Good point. So who's in the position to know the most about the drug and to make sure that the important information is conveyed? It's the drug company. It's a great point. Yeah, so if they have the ability to make a video, why couldn't they include in the video important information that the individual needed to know? And in the Texas case, uh, I believe it was a situation where the longer it went on without being addressed, the more serious the side effect was for the individual. That's right. And so, of course, then once again, the one that's left holding the bag is the consumer. And, 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 and what you pointed out is, is it's, it's so striking to me. We're asking with this, with this doctrine, we're asking that doctors be omniscient and be an expert on all drugs, including those that they don't make themselves, which are none. It's the manufacturers have the ability to know that, yet we're requiring the doctors to be the experts. That's driving me crazy, and I bet it's driving a bunch of our listeners crazy. If, 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 what a dr- if what a drug company says about their drugs is irrelevant, I mean, because it seems to me that's what, what this doctrine is saying. They can go on TV and say XYZ and have the Dancing Through the Field with Kites commercial. If what they say is irrelevant because of this doctrine, then it seems that pretty soon we're going to see the disappearance on TV of all these, these side effect warnings. What, what do you think about that? Well, that probably won't happen only because the FDA does require certain statements to be Uh, in those ads. So as long as the drug companies follow the FDA regs, they should have the information there. But I think the important thing is when you get your prescription, you get information. If you get a medication guide, Mm -hmm. it will have some of this type of information that can be so important to explain potential side effects to people. And And I think in general... The population probably needs to be more in tune to the fact that there can be serious side effects. But I find it interesting that the FDA right now requires medication guides to be provided at the pharmacy level for over 200 prescription products. Mm -hmm. But they still have, most courts still have a learned intermediary exception. It makes so, sense. 
Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. They're recognizing that there is a duty, that it is important well, to get warnings those? out to people. Yeah, who um, writes those? Those are done by the drug company in conjunction with the FDA, I believe. Okay, so we've got the drug company at least to some degree participating in the information that shows up on those warnings. And those warnings very clearly bypass the doctor. They go directly from, the from I guess, the manufacturer to the dispensy, dispensing pharmacy yes. and, and and then into the consumer's hands. So even though those warnings bypass the doctor, the learn intermediary doctrine is still in play? Well, people need to start arguing this when those um, claims are made. I mean, I bring this up in a defense if if I have a case that fits the fact pattern. For instance, we had a lot of litigation involving contraceptive products, and all oral contraceptives have uh, patient package inserts that have specific warnings that go directly to the patient. Mm-hmm. And so we've made that argument. You can't pl- apply the learned intermediary exception here because the converse is true. There's a direct duty under the Code of Federal Reg- Regulations Indeed. for the pharmaceutical company to give the warning to the patient. So I think that the lawyers need to be aggressive in making these arguments to show that they should be in an exception. Um, but it's just a mess. That's why the West Virginia Supreme Court said there's just so many exceptions. This doctrine isn't workable. We're not going to adopt it. Yeah. And, and a lot of that rings true, I think, to the people that are listening today who are thinking to themselves, uh, ought not the law make sense? I mean, should it, yeah. not, should, should it not have some semblance in, in common sense? Now, you're hardly the first lawyer to take issue with the modern application of this learned intermediary doctrine. My question to you is on a more national scale. Uh, how widespread are, are this doctrine's critics becoming, and is this something that's gaining traction uh, in our appellate courts, or is this something that's going to be around for a long time? I think it'll be around for a long time, but the more supersaturated all the airways are with pharmaceutical advertising, judges are people too, yeah. and I think they're going to start realizing that the doctrine is very antiquated. The problem is it's been recognized over the past several decades by many state Supreme Courts, so a lot of judges are going to be bound to apply right. it. So well, the attorneys need to work on those exceptions and start, you know, Got it. Just chopping away more at it. Makes sense. Janet Aberray, Cincinnati attorney, joining us today on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And we are so glad to have had her here today talking about the learned intermediary doctrine. Jump online and uh, follow us, and, and you can learn more about this story. Ladies and gentlemen, people are losing access to justice every week. Our laws are being pulled apart piece by piece by justices and lawmakers who've forgotten what it means to be a human being. These folks are beholden to the big corporations that support them and put them in office. Rulings and laws that deliberately allow wrongdoers to escape liability is a stain on America. If we aren't all accountable for our actions, and that includes mega corporations, then the rule of law will mean very little indeed. Don't let it happen. Our children deserve better. We're going to have to wrap up this show, but as you go through your week, remember that it was Justice Learned Hand who so famously said, if we're to keep our democracy, there must be one commandment, thou shalt not ration justice. Have a good day, everybody. Come visit us on the web, wyattwrightshow.com, or like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes Store. Come back next week for more Justice for All, The Wyatt Wright Show. Bye.